Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. Okay, just before the show, Andrew on the team here, who's amazing, shared with me that recently in Phoenix, it was 118 degrees at night, at night, which came through apparently that was about the high during the day, and it just didn't cool down. So I had been hearing about that, but I actually hadn't talked to someone so in that high temperature. So a shout out to all of you who are enduring extreme heat. And I hope that you're staying hydrated and staying cool um, and staying safe most of all. Okay, we're very excited because we have a lineup of callers today. And I'm really uh, keen to hear from Mary in Boston. Mary, welcome to Say It Skillfully. How are you? I'm doing great, Molly. Thanks again for having me on. Yeah, no, I'm thrilled to have you. I appreciate your making time. And I'm uh, I'm looking forward to what's on your mind. Yeah, so again, I'll give my quick little bio. Uh, so again, I'm working as a clinical director at a health insurance company in the Boston area. And I have 35 years experience in the healthcare industry, working in software implementations, training, IT operations, and project management. Um, but my passion is, a, is I'm a certified mindfulness instructor as well. I own my own company called Mind and Body Wellness and I've taught mindfulness in schools, the community, and organizations. And learning mindfulness has been life-changing for me. So I try to use it as much as I can. Uh, so the story I'm telling today is actually a multi-part story. Uh, so it gives some background. The early part of the story is to give some background leading up to a more recent situation I was in. So I'm going to start talking about um, that I've been working with this person, Mike, at my company. And I worked with them, you know, in the past on several projects. And so I knew him personally a little bit. And, um, but a, a while back, I went into a meeting with him. He had moved into a new role. And I went into a meeting with him. And it was a meeting about definition of metrics, because that was his new role. And he, for some reason, decided he was going to hammer away at me. And I was standing my ground, because he was trying to tell me what he thought we should do. And I was trying to tell him what I thought we should do, and I couldn't get him to agree with me. So it got a, it got tense. So I decided to chat my boss in the middle of the meeting. She was not on the call to join the meeting, and so she did. So she joins the meeting. Um, you know, and we and the meeting ended. So after the meeting, it bothered me that we couldn't resolve it ourselves because that's what I like to do. I always like to re resolve issues myself. I don't like to fight my own battles. I don't like to escalate unless I have absolutely have to. And so I decided to set up a one-on-one -on -one with Mike. And so I get into the meeting with him and he says, oh, I'm so glad you set this up. Because when you said in the meeting, I'm not feeling comfortable about, uh, I, he said, I said, I'm not feeling comfortable about this, which I actually don't remember saying, but he says, it really bothered me. And I was like, really? It's like, and then I thought to myself, like, why didn't you, then why didn't you set up the meeting? Like, why didn't you reach out to me? Um, but I did not ask him that. And Molly, based on listening to you uh, and the advice you give, that would have been a great thing for me to do. I could just 
go back to him and say, like, why didn't you set up the meeting then if it, if it bothered you so much? Um, but anyway, we started talking about our different styles of leadership. And he was telling me, you know, and I know this is how he comes across. He's authoritative. He's very directive. And he says, well, I do that on purpose because that's how I like to get, you know, things done with people. And I'm like, okay. But so I explained to him, my style is collaborative and kind and how well that works for me. And so we talk back and forth. We start, you know, exchanging books that were read and all that. And then the meeting ended. So I had hoped that I influenced, influenced him a little bit. But I heard from others since that time that he had not changed his style at all. And unfortunately, the majority of the people in the company do not care for him. So it's very difficult for him to get things done um, because, you know, the saying doesn't play well in the sandbox. Um, so now I'm going to move on to a more, a more recent project. Let's, that, let's that pause on that one because I'd yeah. love to yes. just unpack this thing with Mike because this is, this is so great that you went there and appreciate that now you know what you might say in the moment, Mary. So that's awesome. But let's think about the the situation because you had a kind of heart to heart, like, hey, this is what I do. I do it on purpose, yes. right? And you were like, okay, that's great. We agreed. This is, I love this. We're embracing our different styles of leadership. You know, that's so <laughs> fabulous. So let's just make up. I mean, did did you go back to him at all? Because I, I, I would love to role play if one were to go back, let's just, you know, and, and say that, you want to help him and you want to help him not only to be in service to Mike, but frankly, it's better for the organization, right? If Mike is effective and everybody actually wants to follow Mike as opposed to doesn't really care for his style. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and at the time, my boss said she was also going to reach out to him, but she later on, I found out that she did not. And I do did find out also since that time that other people have talked to him about his style and they have not had any effect on him either. Now, um, in this more recent story I'm going to tell, I, you know, when I talked to him again, um, you know, he's, and I'll say this later, but I, he says, oh, you don't know how hard it's been for me. And I'm like, well, no, I have a pretty good idea. Um, but again, like, but then, but then why, what are you doing to change about it? You know, and, and you're right. I guess I could have reached out and been more of a friend to him, but he just had this, he seemed very, very firm um, and had a very firm belief on how he thought he should be and how that should work. Yeah. But you're okay, right. so this, we're we're going to work with this before we even get to the further part of it's okay, because this is about Mary yeah. on Mary. Okay. Mary on Mary. So your perception, right? He has a firm belief. Um, he hasn't changed his style. All That's all Mary's reality. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but you just have to acknowledge that that's that. He gave you a little right. gem. He gave you a gem. You don't know how hard it's been for me. That's a pretty big statement, you know, from a from someone who's so directive and authoritative. That's a little, to me, that's an ask for help, right? And so the opportunity could be, wow, you know, Mike, I don't, and I appreciate you putting it out there. Say more. Yes, yes, That's I it. know, I missed an opportunity there, yes. It's okay, That's okay. So I'm just saying for folks, yeah. what happens is you're in the moment and we're all trying to solve, because what I, my sense is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you're like, I want to get them to change. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and you're like, That's, 
that's very noble. Okay. And we all know that we really, it's about potentially meeting someone where they are. And while we may think we know where they are, we, what we really want is for Mike to think Mary knows where I'm at, right? Before we go one step further and, you know, you could make a generalization, authoritative, directive, you know, he's, there's something he's trying to come forth with and maybe just not comfortable being as open or as vulnerable, right? We're not saying anyone has to be, right. but that could be a counter style. And I always say to leaders, it's not that a given style is good or bad or right or wrong. As a leader, to the extent that you have a broader range, you know, it's great that you're kind and collaborative, Mary, but some days maybe it's helpful if you're a bit more directive. Nothing, right. there's nothing inauthentic about that. Yeah. It's just, how can I serve the work? It isn't about how does Mary want to be. It's like, how is Mary effective to serve the work? And some different styles can be the way to go. So again, it's just about creating your own range. So I just, I just want to pause on that to, to, I guess I would say, create a little bit of softening for Mike and then to appreciate that we may be thinking, you know, he doesn't want to change. He, you know, all whatever we want to make up about what's going on for Mike that may or may not be true. Right. Yeah. So I had a good intention, right, in reaching out to him, right? But yeah, I, I could have stepped back and, and, and instead of saying, yeah, oh, I, I, I do know. I could have just said, well, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? But I went right to, I, I was I was reaching out to him again to explain this new project that I was on. So so instead of letting him, because you're right, he for him to say that, he was looking, I think, to, to share and to vent. And that probably would have been good for him. And that's all so good. Right. This is all learning. So I appreciate it. Yeah, that. no, yeah. You know, so that's all super. So take us through, okay, so it sounds like there was another uh follow on. Yeah. So I was brought in, I was recently, I was brought into an existing project that's been in existence for two years and the project team and leadership had changed and the project now fell, fell under Mike, which didn't make any sense. The project was under him because it actually was a clinical project and he's not clinical. Um, but the, the project was, was under his, his department. So when I was originally brought on, they said, oh, they, the project needs project management support. But then I found out, like, they already had a project manager. So I was like, well, how, how did nobody know this? Because it's poor communication. Um, so someone else, someone I call him Joe, um, scheduled a meeting with the PM. And so I invited myself and we're asking um, Will about what's going on with the project. And Will was very open. It was like wonderful. He was very open, told us everything about what was going on, about all the issues he and the team were having. And a lot of it primarily was because the project was under Mike. <laughs> um, so in one word, I identified that he and the team felt handcuffed. That was the word that I was using. And they didn't feel empowered to move things forward. So in my opinion, this was really due to the wrong leadership alignment and lack of communication between leaders at the VP level, because Mike's a VP. So, so basically, so this can be a longer story, but um, basically leaders do not get along. There's a, there's a bunch of VPs, they don't get along, including Mike. So I attended a leadership meeting, which included the discussion of this project that I just got put on. And I actually was like shocked. I was shocked at the behavior between the four of them and how they were talking to each other. And this included Mike. Now I knew all of them. I knew all of them, I got along with each of them. 
And I was already aware of some of the bad blood. So it didn't shock me totally because I knew they all didn't get along, but I just was like, this is how you're talking to each other in this like leadership meeting. Um, so at this particular meeting, um, Becky brings up this project and Joe pipes up and tells the group that we had met with the PM Will and he had told us that the project was chaotic. Now, in my eyes, that was told to us in confidence. So I would not have brought that forward. So Mike gets riled up and starts asking all these questions, but he's now heated. And I understood why, because I'm like, a, so I'll stop there for a second. So I talked to Becky and another VP, Fran, later on, individually later, and they were complaining about Mike's behavior. Now, they'll do anything to blame him on, on anything because this is the interaction or the relationship they have. So I asked each of them. I said, if you went to a meeting, someone tells you in front of other leaders that your program is chaotic, how would you react? They both were like, oh, oh, oh. They both had aha moments. And I was like, okay, so you see why he got heated but they did not change their opinion about the interpretation of the meeting. <laughs> so I got through to them a little bit, but there was so much, so much history and so many different interactions, they were not willing to change their interpretation of how the meeting went and take any responsibility on how the meeting went based on their behavior. So, so to add to this, now after, so also after the meeting, Mike sends me a chat message online asking me how I'm doing. I thought this was like, when I was like, oh, I thought he was reaching out because of, of the meeting that we were just on. And I thought, oh, I said, oh, are you reaching out because of that abhorrent meeting we were just in? And he says, no, I just hadn't seen you in a while. I wanted to see how you were doing. And I was like, wow, okay, that's nice because it's a relationship I have with him. So we chatted back and forth for about 10 minutes and we didn't even talk about the project. We can talk about any of the, you know. So, so back to the project. So that's a little background. So back to the project. So my goal in the project was to improve organization, leadership alignment, and communication. So what I started to do, and this is what I've done before, I've had other examples of where I've done this. I start meeting with each person in the project team and each of the leaders individually. I meet with them one-on-one. -on -one. So I'm always asked, well, why are you meeting with people one-on-one? -on -one? Because it takes a lot of time. And I said, because... People tell me more things and different things when I get them one-on-one -on -one because they feel like it's a safer space. So, it, yeah, it did take a lot of time. There were a lot of meetings, a lot of note-taking, but totally paid off as I expected it would be. So, and I also, as Molly, you talked about this too last time, it's that I do try to make a personal connection with people. Like, I just don't go right into the meeting and say, like, let's talk about the meeting. Like, Depending, you know, I have to gauge how some people don't like to talk about themselves. So if they're really private, then I have to gauge what I'm going to talk about. But like, you know, where do you live? How long have you been at the company? Um, you know, do you have family? How's your summer? So right off the bat, I start forming like a personal connection with them. And it just makes it so much easier to work with them. But I don't do it as a tactic. I actually do it because I genuinely care about people. Um, so... So basically, after talking with all the individuals of the project team and all the leaders, I determined that the project team was afraid to speak up and did not feel empowered, as I said before, and did not feel empowered to move things forward. But they were all strong, 
and competent individuals. So this is what's interesting. They, they were really strong and competent, but they were afraid. They were afraid it was because of the leader of the, the leader they were under, which was Mike. So one more comment I want to make is that before I get on um, with the rest of the story, is I also met with, with Becky individually later, and that's where the project should have been under. And she says to me, I haven't had an update from Mike in months about this project. So I asked her, well, have you asked him for an update? And so she says, no. And like, but again, so like, you just want to be able to complain about Mike. So you didn't reach out to him to ask him for an update so you can blame him. I said, so it's, you know, it's partly your fault. You know, I didn't say it that way. I didn't say that. But I was like, looking at her like, well, you could have reached out to him. So, so I met with each of the members of the project team individually. I met with each of the leaders. So inclusive included Mike. And so when I met with Mike, um, and this is when he said, oh, you have no idea how this is, you know, how it's been for me for months. And I said, no, I have a pretty good idea. Um, but basically, I just let him know what I was going to do. And we only needed to meet for 15 minutes. And that's how quickly he and I were on the same page. There was no argument, no back and forth. Like, and I knew because he trusted me, he respected me. Um, and there was no antagonism between us. Um, so at the, you know, at the end of the 15 minutes, I jokingly said to him, and just stay out of my way. And I took a little bit of risk there because I didn't know how he would take it. But he said, okay. And he did. He stayed out of my way. And because he can be very interfering. That's one of his issues. He interferes in things that he shouldn't be interfering in. So, so this is Mike. This was Mike. Who this is Mike. Okay. This is Mike. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut in a little because I'm aware of time. But I want to just kind of. Yes take this up because I get, and I really appreciate your sharing and folks, Mary's shown a lot of things that can be helpful to build the relationships one-on-one to create the safety, right? And while you may not have the seniority, Mary, what I sense is you have clout, right? To be able to navigate. So I'm just going to throw this out. Mike is warm to you, right? Because of what you've done, right? And so I think your ability to say, hey, I'm not here to tell you what to do, which is, which I know that you kind of want <laughs> certain things you want, but yeah, right. opportunity, Mary, if you want to be effective is saying, I want you to know that this is, you're, you know, you're mature, you've been successful, far be it for me to tell you what to do. If you're open to it, I want to share some observations. Okay. I'm, don't, I'm not trying to make you defensive. I'm not trying to make you wrong, but I just want to share this for you. And I want to have a conversation because it really hurts me that what I hear about, um, you know, folks working with you and what I think you really want to be for the company are not, are not aligned. And I, and I just see how you can be so amazing, Mike. And if, and I just, I come from a place of just wanting to be helpful if you're open to it, if you're open to it. And, and I, I would not, try to get him to do anything. I said, this is it. And so this is how other people feel. This is how I might come across. You know, I never asked you, you had said that I didn't know how, how hard it was for you. You know, I don't. So give him a chance to just open up about yeah. that. It could be a game changer, right? And then, you know, I think about this as Mary's role. Like you hear you are connecting all the dots running around behind the scenes. That's all fabulous, except for transparency as our friend. To the extent that you can get a team to be forthright in front of each other, Right, rather than Mary and who all the all the people out there who are the Marys, yes. right, running around. We love you, but 
not really super efficient. So that ability to say, this is the deal. Everyone here has got you know a valid point of view and has great skills and what have you. And all of us have things we're not so great at, by the way. And what we want to create is an environment where everyone feels that like you can speak up about what you think needs to be said. And that's the only way we're going to figure out when people aren't on the same page, right? And get us to this shared reality. And what I'm asking, and so, you, you know, with the leader saying, this is the deal. You guys are the leaders. It can be scary for people to speak up. You need to hear it. You know what I mean? A Mary can say, listen, I, I'm, I'm very comfortable. I got to tell you something. Most of the folks are not. And you know what? It's not about you or me. It's about the fact that together we're not doing our best work for the company. So I just put this out there for you, Mary, to take potentially an opportunity to raise your game and say, wait a second, right? What if, right, you could get these people who are so willing to share with you a, a sense of how can I better serve the organization? Let me speak up. Let me make let me make sure that these these leaders and you could you could pull a meeting of these leaders saying, Are you guys kidding me? I am mortified. I am mortified to sit in this meeting and listen to you folks. Seriously? Right? That's that. <laughs> right. This is like kindergarten. Come on. And and I say this yeah, it's a lot of understanding and respect because I saw it for so long. You have these leaders. They don't like each other. They're one-upping or for whatever reason, they're a little bit insecure. The people underneath them just want to do a good job. Really? They just want to do a good job. And now they're just trying to run around to make it sound like they're loyal to the leader, but also running around doing the right thing. And it's exhausting. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly. So I did, I've, I've only stayed on for two months and they're on their own. They, 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 you know, I, I gave them what they, what they needed. And what I did too, is that even though I met with people one-on-one, -on -one, what I would do afterwards is I then would meet one-on-two. And I was like, okay, so look now, you, you two can actually talk to each other. And so then right. I would sit back in this meeting that I know brokered between the two of them and like marvel that they could actually communicate. And right. so then I'm out now out, I'm out. I'm, I'm like, I'm, this is short term gig for me. You guys, you've got it. And I'm, I've, we've got this all set up. Um, you know, we set up communication plan, regular meetings with leadership and all that. And I, I gave them pep talks and I said, I boosted their confidence. And I said, it didn't, so they saw everything that I did. So I, hopefully that I inspired them somewhat, but also I, I laid the framework for them to be able to speak up on their own. And every yeah. single person knew, they knew the deal. That's the, um, I love By the time I was done. This is Mary being yeah, part of the yeah. solution and holding people to account, which I love. Okay, I'm looking at time. I'm going to ask you your yes. one top takeaway. You've shared a lot. One top takeaway that you are that you have. Yeah, so the big, take, yeah, the big takeaway really is for me to go. So now uh, Mike got moved on to another role um, because he was deemed ineffective in the role I was in. Um, so he's moved on. But again, you know, I, I think I should reach out to him. I think I should reach out to him and have the conversation that you just mentioned. I mean, I can only, I can only help him out because the situation he's in um, is not a good one. And so either he's either going to leave the company or consider he will continue to probably be miserable. Um, so um, yeah. So thank you for that. I, I will, I will see how it goes. Yeah. Well, I am very confident that it's going to go well. So let me know how it does go. And I'm here cheering for you big time, Mary, and I appreciate all that you're trying to be and being a big part of the solution, you take good care. Okay, thank you. Thanks again. I really appreciate it.
Oh, my pleasure. Okay, we're heading over to the Big Apple, and I'm thrilled to welcome Phyllis to the show. And I want to make sure, Phyllis, you're not on mute. So um, how are you doing today? Great. Thank you. Yay. Thank you for making time. I'm very curious. What is on your mind today? Uh, well, first of all, I'm a big fan of yours. So thank you. Um, for everything that you do. And I have a quick question for you. Um, so I have a very senior staff member, um, the head of the organization, who um, is treating the junior staff very disrespectfully. Um, his view is always that he knows a lot more. He doesn't want them involved in strategic discussions because he knows so much more because he's worked in the field and he doesn't respect their opinion. My management philosophy is exactly the opposite, that I do want junior people to give their opinion um, because it's the only way that they can learn. And if you want to scale an organization, you've got to empower people to do that. And so I've raised this with him a lot that we've got different points of view. He doesn't he just doesn't have the patience or the time. And so I'm trying to figure out a way to work with him without, and the junior staff without um, really disenfranchising them and demoralizing them. They're really frustrated. And um, so I'd love your advice on how to deal with this. Yes, this is well, so great that you're there. And I would like to just unpack it a little bit. So. When you say the senior staff member doesn't have patience and time, you know, when you've had these conversations, just just share with me tidbits of how that goes. You know, uh, Sam, hey, want to bring this up? What do you think? I'm just, I just want to hear what actually comes out of his mouth. Um, look, I've been doing this for 30 years. There's, they don't have the experience. There's no way they're going to add value to a strategic conversation. And it's a waste of my time. And I don't have the patience and I don't have the time. Interesting. Okay. And then when he says that to you, what do you say? I say, these are very smart people. If we want to scale a business, we have to empower our staff because, and we have to train them. <clears throat> so even if we disagree, we need to, to listen to them and explain why we disagree. If we cut them off, we are, com we're really, um, we're frustrating their ability to learn and grow and ultimately be able to take on leadership and management roles, which is what we want in order to scale our business. Okay. And he says, he says, I don't think that's how you scale a business. You know, we've got to make the strategic dis decision. They're, they're responsible for executing on them. Um, but I really, you know, he'll just kind of repeat it. Look, how, how can they possibly know more than me? Okay. Okay. So how, and talk to me about how your relationship is with this staff member. Have you known him a long time, worked with him a long time? Did you hire him? What's the, the relationship? So, no, we're, we're co-founding a company. He's the CEO and I'm the president. <clears throat> so he over, see, oversees, so he's definitely in the position of power. Okay. Um, I've known him. We went to school together, graduate school 30 years ago, but then we lost touch for many years. Um, and now we're back together to start a company. Okay. So I would... One, because, and I appreciate how you you put it very logically, right? And that's it's a view, and he has a different point of view. So, kind of um, going the same route and expecting a different result. You know, maybe we try something different. So, I'm not sure what moves this person. I don't know what conversations you've had about. So, let me just take a step back. Like, why are you doing this? 
um, because I love the vision of the company. Um, and <clears throat> I think the world needs what we're doing. Yes. And why do you think the CEO is doing this? For the same reason, um, I think he also sees it as an opportunity for him to make a lot of money. And um, he would be he would be upfront about that. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think he also sees it as a really disruptive innovation in the space. Yeah. Okay. I think having a chat and just saying, you know, getting the extent that you can seek first to understand and get a sense of where this person is really at gives you, I think, more um, insight. And what is the self-interest part that drives this person? We all have that. I don't say that in a negative way at all, Phyllis. Um, but I, I, you know, I, he, you know, I don't know to the extent legacy may matter, how other people feels matters. Does he have children? I mean, the person isn't able to put himself in other people's shoes. And, you know, at one point he was a junior person. Now, maybe he was not listened to, and maybe that's worth unpacking. So, you know, what was it like when you were a junior person? And trying to get some form of potential empathy for team members. I don't know if this person has children. Would you want someone dismissing the children? And I, and I think that, you know, this thing of you don't have time. I've heard a lot about this. Can I try a different angle with you, Sam? And here's the thing, you know, it's a war on talent out there. We've worked really hard, really hard to get superstar people. And these are the words that I hear from them, you know, blank, 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 is how they feel around you. Is that how you want to be remembered? If God forbid something yeah, happens to one of these people and, uh, and, and the last memory they have of you is basically being under a rock stepped on, is that the reputation you want? So you're getting back to this, their, their experience, but is that the reputation you want? I don't care. Well, what do you mean you don't care? We're in a business here where we're trying to make the world better. I don't buy it. And so, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think there's some kind of insecurity. <laughs> Whatever, you know, just I would provoke a little and say, so, you know, I've got kids, you've got kids. I mean, we need everyone on this planet rowing, right? As hard as they can to get the work done. And so we, we can't really be arrogant and assume we have all the answers because we happen to be 20 years older or whatever we are. And I don't think you want to be, you don't need to be, um, it's not demeaning on him, but just very committed and saying, you know, I want to have a reputation of really helping people be their absolute best selves at all the levels that we have, Sam. And so, you know, I know that, you know, you've got the power, listen, your power position, I got it. But this is not a good look for you, number one. I'm just going to put that out. Maybe you don't care, but, you know, reputations are just that. And, and we have an opportunity to build something that's really special. So I'm kind of, you know, waxing on a little bit. I just let me pause for a bit. How is that landing for you? Um, you know what? I like it. But do you think like saying stuff like that it's not a good look for you will make him defensive and angry? It potentially. Or is that the intent? Yeah, I think that that could be. Uh, um, it could be a provoking thing. You know him, right? So I just say, you know, it could just from my selfish input standpoint, like I want our company to 
be well-regarded, Sam. And for our company to be well-regarded, each of us needs to be well-regarded. So, you know, out of a pure selfishness, like you could say, I don't really care. People love me. I'm fine. But the point is we're a team. So we don't move completely independently. You know, we have to, you know, we are part of the leadership of this organization. So I have an impact on you and you have an impact on me. You may not care. That's okay. I'm just offering this. And I would hope that you care, Sam. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, I've been thinking a lot about this. It really, it really is um, counter to what I think we're doing. There's a disconnect here and it doesn't land well. So I, I just really want us to unpack it because you know, we want to go the distance and create something extraordinary that has impact in the world that is financially rewarding, right? So talk to me. I'm obviously missing something. Yeah, yeah. I like that. That's great. Um, I'm going to try it. Okay, well, we uh, have covered a lot. What is your biggest takeaway, your top takeaway? I mean, I think, I think just confronting him head on with what this means for him as opposed to, you know, in addition to what it means for, for the staff, but basically, you know, you're emphasizing um, his reputation. It's not a good look for him. Um, is this how he wants to be remembered? And I think that is a good approach. I should definitely, uh, I'm going to try that. Okay. Well, I'm here for you, Phyllis, cheering for you the biggest of times. I know what you're doing is, is something that the world needs. And I will look forward to continued progress on that. And Loop back with me anytime if I can be more help. Okay. I'm cheering for you. <laughs> Thank you, Molly. I love your advice. Thanks yeah. so much. You take good care. Ciao, ciao. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. That's a doozy there. Let's hope that one, hear how that goes. Okay. We're heading, I think, to the suburbs of the New York area. And I am thrilled to welcome Gary to the show. Gary, how are you? Good morning, Molly. Thank you for hosting today. I am thrilled. I am very, very happy to have you on the show. And I'm very curious, what is on your mind? Well, Molly, I wanted to get your take on uh, a situation that is, you know, very well uh, known in business circles here in the States. And it is you know, what I would consider a communications disaster. Um, and I don't want to rehash it. Uh, a, a very large company attempting to expand their product sales into a new or, or undiscovered demographic uh, decided on uh, bringing on a social media influencer who some might consider controversial. I, I have no opinion on that. And in doing so, uh, this large uh, publicly traded company alienated its core base to the point where sales have been crushed. Hardworking employees, blue collar workers, folks who work with their hands are getting laid off because of the sales decline. And my thinking on this is beyond the fact that it was a corporate communications disaster. We all know that that's easy to accept and acknowledge. But here's what I want to discuss. If you're a white male executive and you're in one of these strategy meetings 
and you hear something that you really feel is going to be bad for the brand. And yet, you know, the intent of this strategy is good. You know, it was a good intent for this large company to try to expand product sales into a new demographic. That was, you know, that's what businesses do. How do you raise your hand without sounding insensitive? How do you communicate that effectively? That's what I want to talk about today. How does that sound? Ugh, I love this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for bringing it up. I've had so many, you know, off the record conversations. As people can imagine, I'm kind of 1-800, what do I say, Molly? So a lot of my close and um, very helpful, I would say, in the white male category have come to me and said, Molly, you know, uh, what what do I do? What I can't, I don't know what to say. I can't say anything. And I'm like, what? And these are not people in my opinion, right? When I could not really imagine them doing things that would um, ruffle people. And, and But they're so worried about being perceived the wrong way that people just clam up. And, you know, the, the whole irony in this is you have this notion, you know, everyone knows I'm about hearing all voices. And so it's great that, you know, the new demographics and, and you know, I'll call it the purple people, whatever, you know, um, is empowered to speak up, but not at the cost of others feeling that they can't speak up. So I just feel like this is something that is really important to acknowledge if this happens, if this is happening to create transparency for this um, and, and, and figure out what to do together. So I think the, a lot of folks will worry about, I worry about being insensitive. I worry about being perceived as, and I think the first step is within saying, well, what am I worried about? And I'm gonna be really honest. You read about some things where, and this can go both ways, right? There's a sexual harassment thing from nine years ago, comes up, boom, the next day, executive is fired. And you're like, executive is fired 24 hours after, and I am not making any, I'm not standing up for any one side. I just feel that's a pretty short amount of time for a board to just lose somebody. How about, this is very serious. We really want to understand what's going on. And, um, you know, here's what we're doing, but not making moves to look like, oh, we're in, we're in, here we are, we're standing up for whatever, you know? And I just, I think that it's pivoted, the pendulum's gone the other direction. And so I think if that's going on, it's really important to be able to say, hey, I'm, I'm just in the spirit of us wanting to do the right thing in the long term. I want to offer that, you know, we, we want to be decisive, but at the same time, we don't want to be rash. And can we, can we come up with a way that we can talk about this so that we get to the right decision and, and, and then and work backwards from that? So, so I, I think that the idea of transparency for, for the dynamics, you know, I, I call it affection, the dominant group, non-dominant groups, right? So the dominant groups are becoming, they're not used to not being dominant, right? So now we're leveling up the playing field, which is super, but it's a new experience for everyone. Right. So I think for folks who have to be more sensitive, it's also if you're in this white male category, maybe a learning as well. I understand now because now I'm afraid or I'm a little bit worried. 
And that can create great empathy for the others that, you know, are in the room. So I think that there's learning there. Right. One, right. That, that right. I think is right. And then I think this right. notion, right. Of this, me, you, we framework, here's what's going on for me. You, these people around you, they may think that's so unbelievable. It's going to be so great because we're going off and you, you see this going off the cliff, but then you're, you're really there serving the whole, right? What best serves the whole? And so if one starts saying, you know what, this is what I'm observing, which is different language than you said that, you said that, right? Now we're getting, it's getting a little more personal. I'd like to step back. Here's what I'm observing to share this, right? Cause I wanna, I wanna right. offer a perspective. I'm wondering, right? And I, I can see this point of view. So you acknowledge whatever point of view, what if, and you maybe point out what someone else in another vantage point might think about it and ask folks for, for a moment. I hear where everyone, why, why we think this is great. I'm gonna ask everyone, why might that not be great? And, and be clear, I'm not necessarily making a personal judgment. I just want us to be able to healthy debate, have healthy debate and put all the voices out there. And I'll just tell you right now, I'm about managing the downside. What if, blah, 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 blah. Since this has happened already, it's not hard for people to say, we would <laughs> right. probably want some catastrophic thing to go on, right? All right, we've got a great uh, case study to, well, you know, example A, uh, which is well-documented and uh, it captured the zeitgeist of, of America in August of 2023. But I think you stumbled onto something. I think, you know, there are a lot of executives who are afraid to raise their hand and say, hey, you know, why don't we just pump the brakes a little bit and, you know, back, you know, dig a little deeper into this strategy and, and understand, are we opening up a can of worms that we don't understand? What are the downside risks? I think, you know, that could be prevalent today. Yes. Yeah, I think that idea of um, also like not us versus them, just that notion of, I see this idea, I see, and just acknowledge when people have their enthusiastic, they think this is wonder bread. They're like, this is the best thing ever. Just acknowledge, this is, I can see how lit up everybody is. Acknowledge it. Even if one thinks it's not a great idea, acknowledge the enthusiasm, they're thinking about it so that people feel hurt. They feel hurt. And then bring it back and say, let's, can we unpack this? Let me throw this out there. I'm not trying to be, right? Uh, not a team player. I'm not trying to say I'm better than anyone else. Whatever you might be afraid of, right, when you're speaking, just be transparent about that. And it has to be genuine. If you really are trying to one-up people or look like you're smarter, that is going to come across, okay? You, truly, the genuine being in service to having the um, ability to objectively think about what's going on, not from a personal standpoint, I think is not necessarily easy. And I want to acknowledge that there are personal agendas out there. And it's, you know, sometimes we have a personal agenda. You know what? Be upfront about it. I'm going to tell you right now, I definitely am going to do better if this thing goes, right? So you can make a case for that's why I would want that to go. I get that. I also just want to add blank. So, you know, again, transparency is our friend. That's great advice. I, I, I think you really touched on some very effective tools for, uh, you know, for the white male executive who's in that strategy session. And, and, you know, you can't help but wonder, you know, were there people at this large company who thought, well, 
I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. It's well intended, but it's the right way to approach this. And they didn't say anything. And, you know, now we're looking three months down the line, four months down the line, and it has just been absolutely horrific from a communication standpoint. So, yeah, I think these are great tools to help people, uh, you know, confront this fear of, of not sounding, not trying to be insensitive, right? I think you've yeah. got to, you know, come yeah. about it. Yeah, you're you're on it. And I, this is where this whole thing of say it skillfully and all part of the problem and all part of the solution and not, you know, to make individuals bad human beings for not speaking up, but we need to appreciate that if we're not forthright about what we're seeing, and again, we may not be right about it, right? But our ability to like put it out there, even wrong information helps the system, helps the cognitive functioning of a group to be able to discuss it. And I just want to encourage right. this is the whole genesis of the show, right? If it's something out there saying, you know, I'm worried, I'm wondering that what, what if, and listen, when decisions are made, rarely is it really a hundred percent consensus, right? I think the number is something like 11% or 21% is not fully aligned, which is okay. That is the driver for the change, but they'll, they'll go with it. So there's, there's always, you know, a, a bubbling up of different viewpoints. And that's how, I mean, that's how you innovate. We only innovate when people disagree, right? If everyone agreed, we just keep doing the same old thing forever. So it takes someone kind of busting through to be able to be heard and to get people to think about it differently, to do things differently. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's that healthy tension and that's the discomfort in growth, you know? And so for all of us who are you know, when I, when we talk about saying it skillfully, it doesn't mean it's fun and it's comfortable and it's all fabulous, but it is about being forthright about what you think needs to get out there in service to, you know, the top level, the whole, the whole of the organization. You know, it's like, if I could take this personally for, for you, what in, in observing these latest, um, I don't know, I, I sometimes I think it's like a, a bit of a trigger, like just because fast trigger, boom, someone's fired. I, I am curious, do you feel, Gary, personally, that you've changed how, what you said or how you said it? I mean, I'll say, I'll say something, and this may not go well, but, you know, I think a lot of men would be a little bit worried about taking, you know, folks to a lunch or whatever, you know? And so, like, well, I'm not going to do anything one-on-one. -on -one. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Right. right. So it, 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 I think that's a good point. I think in this, you know, it, under the guise of more inclusivity, it, we're becoming more balkanized. People are just, you know, collapsing within themselves and, and, and not making the extra effort to try to understand and appreciate. In fear of this immediate, swift, and, and intense uh, retribution. So people are just kind of collapsing within to themselves and not, you know, being inclusive. I think it's happened having an, act, an actual opposite impact. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, for sure. And in the closed circles that I, that I, you know, we talk in, I, everyone kind of seems to be like, not, it's a soft, not like, yeah, it's not really great. And, you know, I think it's part of the collective progress to take steps forward I'd love to see not so many steps back. You know, I'd love to see all steps forward, but I think this is part of the iteration. And for folks listening, I think the opportunity is if you're observing it, 
or you're seeing it, you know, to just call it out and say, hey, is this, is this really serving us? I mean, is this what we really want that, you know, just, you know, all the people with ponytails feel so empowered to speak up, but, you know, the, the people who don't, you know, who don't have them don't. You know, I just think that that's, that's something that it's a very fine dance. And, and I, you know, believe me, I get what it feels like to not fit in um, more than people might realize. So it's very personal for me when I see people who feel marginalized and, and all. And at the same time, you know, everyone has to own that for themselves. We want folks to create space for, for us, for sure. And it's on us to be able to also create space um, for us to, to speak up. And that's, that's how I'd like to empower people. And if you're not, if you're in an environment where, where that's not welcome, if not, people aren't willing to consider giving space, whatever, you know, th that's on you. You, ha you can find a place to spread your wings and fly. You know, I, I think that that's a huge opportunity for people because remember, if you're staying in a place that doesn't have a great culture, and by, by the way, you either add or you subtract to the culture. There's no neutral, right? If you're if you're at a place where, you know, you've done what you can, you really can't, don't see it being great for a few, it's good to move on. It doesn't have to be they're horrible either. It just may not be a fit for you. And so I want to empower folks. That's, that can be scary for sure. And that takes some courage. So, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So if, if you want to do something about it, you know, find the resources, find support and do something. But, you know, don't complain if you're not willing to do it. You know, I guess I guess I'd, I just ask people to really be accountable to themselves. That's excellent advice. I um, I very much appreciate that. Thank you. Um, look, and if I've got another minute, I know you've, you've, you've got a busy call this, hey. this morning. No, this is great. Um, but Go for it. So, uh, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but as, as somebody who is an expert in corporate communications and, and, and building up those skills, which are so important, what do you do to recover if you're that company? You know, and, and you know, this thing has exploded on you. You know, it went off in a direction nobody could have anticipated, and it's all negative. How do you, how do you recover? Or what, what are the steps? What, what can they do to try to improve the brand and the image or the communication? Well, I, I appreciate it. And obviously, I, I'm not someone who's done a lot of crisis management, but I would say the principles of acknowledging what's gone on um, and just being upfront about it, one doesn't, you don't necessarily have to, um, you know, slam yourself if you made a mistake, but you have to properly own it, own what the actions were, own the impacts and the consequences um, and and help people know that you appreciate kind of what happened and that some bad things happened to people that were not intended. But I think being fully transparent and having authenticity in, in wishing that we didn't make it that way is you have to be perceived as real. So I think that's just kind of a current state. And then I think looking long-term, we, we make, everyone makes mistakes, right? And so we want to learn from them. And so the biggest thing is like, how are we better? What are we doing to be better so that, you know, we're going to make new mistakes because it's not about, life is not about not making mistakes. It's about making the right ones and making new ones. And so those are the, the, the two things that I would first think about 
And, um, you know, I, I think the attitude of people in situations of leadership in particular is, is one of, look at, we regret, we have some regrets here and darn it, we are going to be better. So there, 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 I will take this on the chin. I will own it. If people need to step down, step down, right? Don't come up. You see so often you see someone staying in place. You're like, dude, you need to leave or do that. You need to go. So I think that ability to, to own it and then, you know, set a vision for how you're going to be better for it. Use the learnings to make the world better. And again, people may not join you, but hopefully they will get back to a neutral point and you'll have the chance potentially to prove that um, your words were true. Molly, thank you so much. Excellent advice as always. I love the show. I love the format and really can't thank you enough for all the good work that you're doing. Appreciate it very, I thank very you. much. I thank you for bringing it up. And it's really, this has my head spinning because this has been something deep on my mind and, you know, get in the spirit of really wanting every single person to feel like they can be who they are and say what needs to be said and collectively, you know, work together to do our best work. So I want to thank you for being part of the solution, Gary. And um, you take good care. Thanks. Thank you so much, Molly. Bye-bye. Ciao, ciao. Okay, I think that my uh, words to the thought for the week are wise words from Warren Buffett, very related to a lot of the conversations today. You will continue to suffer if you have an emotional reaction to everything that's said to you. True power is sitting back and observing things with logic. True power is restraint. If words control you, that means everyone else can control you. Breathe and allow things to pass. And I want to thank again to my dear friend and the culture coach, the brilliant Gary Ridge, for my um, great saying today and, and, thank, and uh, happy to be sharing it with all of you. Uh, shout out to all of those who make the show possible, the committed crew at Voice America, the creative genius Eric Patton, who's behind the scenes, of every episode of the show and a driving force for Say It Skillfully. And that's a wrap, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Reflect on your top takeaways. And no, I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality. Essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is solvable. Communities are proving it. And it begins by understanding that we can't keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. The U.S. spends billions each year responding, but it's clear more resources alone aren't enough to solve this complex problem. Community Solutions is a nonprofit working alongside 105 U.S. communities, proving it is possible to make homelessness rare and brief, starting with veteran and chronic homelessness. These cities and counties are fundamentally changing their approach and have committed to get to zero homelessness using real-time, person-specific data to work and use their resources wisely. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org. See if your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name and need? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness can't be solved. 
Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too.